Billy Joel, pressure. Good way to open up our sermon today because we're going to be talking about temptation. And there's a lot of pressure that comes from the temptation in our lives. So here's a, a question for you. Anybody here at one time or another been tempted? I'm switching it up, second service. Really, one person in the whole church has been tempted. Okay, let's, hey, let's, now it'll work out better this time. How many people here have not been tempted? So you guys are all confused right now. You have no idea what's going on. Here, the point of, the, the point of the, this whole thing is that everybody's tempted at one time or another in our life. Everybody. We're all in the same boat. We're all in an even playing field right now. There isn't a single person in here that hasn't been tempted. And in my opinion, temptation is by far the hardest and the biggest problem that we have as Christians. And if we could eliminate temptation, we could eliminate sin altogether. No question. So we admit that we've all been tempted, correct? Yes, we've all been tempted. Now the question is, how do we handle that temptation? Where do we go with it? And typically, when we're tempted, we handle it in one of three ways. And the first way people typically handle it is to give in to it. That's the simple way. That's the easy way out. We just give in to that desire. And we live by this, this motto that is, if it feels good, just do it. Right? We satisfy the temptations of the flesh, and we just give in to that. And most people that are lost live their life that way. And as Christians, we like to talk about lost people because, you know, they're not Christians. They don't understand. But guess what, guys? There are many Christians that live their life that way as well. And others struggle with temptation on a daily basis. And I think a lot of us fall into that category. We spend our precious time and energy trying to fight temptation. We fight and we fail, we fight and we fail, and we do this all the time. And the reason that we keep fighting and failing is because we do not enlist the help of God. We hate the fact that we're tempted. We really hate the fact that we give into it. But we keep on doing it because we don't have the power to stop it. Now, here's a very profound statement. Nobody has the power to overcome the evil that Satan is on their own. Nobody. We just can't do it. If we could overcome temptation and sin on our own, what was the point of Jesus dying for us on the cross? There wouldn't have been one. We can't do it. We need God's help. And then lastly, which is where we all want to get to and where we want to be, is to come overcome temptation through the power of Jesus Christ. We can turn all these temptations into a triumph. And I know as we're sitting here right now, it's easy to say I'm preaching. Got my notes in front of me. We're here on Sunday morning. But truthfully, we can overcome temptation. But the only way we can do that is turn our, to turn our eyes to God. It may sound like wishful thinking. You may think it's a pipe dream. But I'm here to tell you, and as we get further on here, Scripture will show us that we can beat temptation. But there's a few things that we need to know in order to be able to do this. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So, another couple questions for you. Do you feel that temptation shouldn't be a part of your life? You guys are so anxious to answer the first time, you don't have to answer now. Do you feel that temptation should not be a part of your life? And secondly, do you feel that you need to find a way in your Christian life to get rid of temptation altogether? Is that a goal that we have as Christians where we say, you know what, my focus is going to be on no temptation left in my life, and that's what I'm going to work for. All right, if that's your, your, your line of thinking then if you accomplish that feat, you need to share it with the entire world because you'll be the first person in the history of the world to accomplish that feat because it simply, it simply can't be done. And if you're thinking to yourself, man, if I could only pray more, if I'd only read the Bible more, if I'd only just be a better person, then that temptation wouldn't be in my life. If I could have the first slide, please. 
If that's the way you're thinking, then here's a newsflash for you. And this is a great statement. I won't take credit for it. I did, I did find this in my studies. You will never be so close to God that you won't be tempted. Don't just, don't just read it. Think about what that's telling you right there. You will never be so close to God that you won't be tempted. In other words, the closer we are to God, the more that we're tempted. It's not a very comforting thought, right? I mean, our goal as Christians is to walk with God and to get closer to God and be a big, God to be a bigger part of our life. And as we make that happen, Tony, don't hurt me up here. Who's up there? Oh, you're not even working right now. How did you get second shift off? <laughs> but the closer that we get to God, the more tempted that we become. And it's almost unfair in the whole aspect of it. You invest your time and your energy to build that relationship with God. And the closer that your Christian life takes you to him, the more that you get pulled away from him. And you can say, how do I know that? Well, you can read about it, but more importantly, I can tell you from personal experience. That's the first reason for me. My personal experience shows that when, when I'm on my walk with God, especially like when I'm preparing for a sermon, I spend quite a bit of time reading and studying and listening. And when I'm doing that, I'm, I'm very close to God. But as that's happening... All the outside world is coming at me and trying to pull me away from what I'm supposed to do, whether it's I'm thinking about cutting the grass, getting ready for, oh, and yeah, by the way, I had a birthday party last night at our house. We did. I had 50 13 to 16-year-old teenagers in my backyard last night, and it went off without a hitch. So anyways, it was, my, it was my daughter's birthday, but in any event, all those things were on my mind. I'm trying to prepare for the sermon, and I'm thinking about all this other stuff I got to do, tempted to not focus on this and not take my time and do a good job for you guys here this morning and for God. So I know that that's the case. Whenever I think that my walk is getting closer with God, I feel the world and the outside forces just pulling me away. And that's the first reason, now, the first example. The second one is the fact that Jesus himself was tempted. So now here's a real easy question. Who is closer to God than Jesus? Rhymes with Poe Buddy and starts with an N. Okay, nobody is closer to God than Jesus is, and yet Jesus was tempted, correct? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Scripture, and we're going to talk about just that. Um, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Um, in the Pew Bibles, it's page 676, so we can give you a chance to get there. And as always at Polaris, we encourage you guys. The words are going to be up on the screen, but we encourage you guys to follow along in your Bible so that you can increase your knowledge of the Bible, and then you can go home and remember that Mark talked about Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. All right, so if you've got your smartphones or your iPads or whatever else you got going out there, grab those. If you don't have a Bible that you can read uh, and, and walk with God on at home, please take one of these Bibles home. It is a gift from Polaris to you guys. So back to Scripture. Slide 2. This is going to be from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. All right. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I would think so. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Very tempting. But Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Strike one for Satan. See, Paul, I can apply baseball to anything. It works. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. And notice, 
how Satan right now is trying, and I emphasize trying, to use Scripture to trip Jesus up here. Not a good idea, but he's got to give it his best shot. And he says to Jesus, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus, without missing a beat, because he's Jesus, says to him, It is also written, Do not put your Lord God to the test. Strike two for Satan. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to Jesus, this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. And at this point, Jesus has had enough of Satan. And he says to him, away from me, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Strike three. JC, what happens when you get strike three? You're out. Satan's done, okay? So the devil then leaves Jesus and then the angels come and attend to him. And until I really read through this and listened to the back part of this, I kind of blew off that last sentence right there. Here is a man, Jesus, fully man, fully God, takes 40 days to be in the desert. He doesn't drink, he doesn't eat, barely slept, I'm sure, against everything that the human body would have to endure during that time. And you, just, you kind of bypass the fact that at that point, the angels came and attended to him. Do you know how awesome that is? I mean, think about the greatest like uh, salon in the world right, where they pamper you and take care of you. The angels came and attended to him. That's powerful. That's good stuff right there. But what I want you to do is notice Satan's approach. The temptations that Satan brings to Jesus could only be brought to Jesus. They couldn't come to you or me, simply because the fact that we can't accept the temptations because they cannot pertain to us. We can't understand them because can anybody here turn stones to bread? Can anybody here possess all the kingdoms of the world? No. Every temptation is not for everybody. So Satan will tempt us to the point of our own abilities. He will tempt us through our gifts, the gifts that he gives us. And for Jesus, the temptation was the problem of what to do with his supernatural powers. And so the temptation of turning st uh, stones to bread and possessing the kingdoms of the world could only be brought to someone who was supernatural, i.e., Satan brought them to Jesus. The temptations that come to us have to do with our gifts and our abilities. For example, somebody that's gifted with charm, me not being one of those people, would be tempted to use that charm to get what he or she wants. And the person who's gifted with the power of words, I guess sometimes I could fall into that category, would use this command of words to justify their conduct. And then people that are really, really smart, and by the way, at this campfire last night, we were kind of divided in this one point. I had like six girls of Anna's friends that all had better than like a 4.2 GPA, which was crazy because I said, if I would have gathered my same friends at a bonfire when I was a kid, I don't think we could have put all of our GPAs together to equal part of that. So it was pretty bizarre last night. Um, so the really smart people, will, will, they'll use their, their intelligence to uh, have people serve them rather, for that, rather than for them to serve man. So you need to think about what gifts you have. And then once you identify those gifts, you're going to find that Satan wants you to use those gifts for your glory. And that's where you get tripped up. So think about the gifts that you have. He doesn't want to lessen the strength of that gift. He wants that gift that you have to be just extremely powerful. Satan wants you then to use that gift for his benefit, for his satisfaction, and not for the benefit of the kingdom of God. And as if the example of Jesus being tempted was not enough, if you think about the temptations in the Bible, right from the beginning, Eve was tempted by the forbidden fruit. You got David tempted by Bathsheba. You got Samson tempted by Delilah. 
You got Judas, tempted by money. So throughout the Bible, we see many, many examples of temptation. These prominent people in the Bible were not immune to temptation, and there's no way we should expect to be either. Now, another thing I'm going to go out on my own here, it's my opinion. I guess God came to me and, and gave me this thought. It's the only thing I can think. I don't believe Jesus was surprised by the presence of Satan at all when he went into the wilderness. I think he went out there full well knowing that this confrontation was going to happen. He knew that all the bad things were going to happen. And I am assuming that he knew that it was going to happen towards the end of, of, uh, of his time out there. I think he went out to confront Satan and to absolutely defeat him at his weakest point. And I honestly think, although Satan wants to overthrow God at every point that he possibly can, I think Satan soiled himself a little bit when he found out that, that Jesus was going to go out into the wilderness. I don't think he was chomping at the bit for this confrontation. I think he saw Jesus coming up into the power of his ministry, was starting to get a little bit scared, but he said, you know what, if I got any shot, I may have a shot right now when he's out in the wilderness and he's hungry and he's tired and he's weak and maybe he's not thinking straight. So I think he was very apprehensive about it, but I do not think that he went out there knowingly and happily to confront Jesus. And I think he would have wanted to avoid that confrontation as long as he could to prepare whatever he had in store. And I think the Holy Spirit arranged this meeting to establish that victory over Satan right when Jesus was starting his ministries. No questions, no gray area. Simply put, let's get things straight between you and me, Satan. I run the show. That's it. And so the Holy Spirit put Jesus Christ into a direct confrontation with Satan. <clears throat> and I don't think that uh, Satan left Christ alone after that day. I think he was constantly uh, pestering him. I think he tempted him right down to the day that he was sweating drops of blood in the garden. And I think he had that temptation, just like we do every day. We have that temptation. And I think Christ went through the same exact thing. And now if you think about it, Satan could not defeat Jesus on his worst days. Those are the worst days Jesus had, the two that I referenced right there. He's ready to be sacrificed at one point, and he's 40 days without food and drink and sleep, and that's when Satan attacks him. He thinks that's his best point. And he didn't even come close. If Satan can't defeat Jesus on his worst days, how is he going to defeat Jesus now that he's defeated death and isn't subject to human weakness? Another thing I find a little bit ironic, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. And until I sat down and really read through the scripture and thought about it, who is the Holy Spirit? Apply the Trinity to this storyline. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one and the same. Can we agree on that? Right? So when it says that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, he led himself into the wilderness. And so you say to yourself, who in their right mind would lead themselves into temptation? Who would do that? Guess what? We do it, and Jesus did it. And if you don't think that you control and lead yourself into your own temptations, then riddle me this, Batman. If you're tempted by alcohol or promiscuity, why are you at the bar? If you're tempted by infidelity, why are you flirting with the married boss or the married secretary? And if you're tempted by food and it's a gluttony problem, why are you at CeCe's or the Golden Corral? Don't go there. By the way, anybody here like CeCe's? I seriously, I need to take a poll here. here. Here's a problem with CeCe's, okay? Besides the fact that their pizza is just god-awful. Anybody that I've talked to about CeCe's, they say their best thing that they have is their dessert pizza. If your best thing you serve at a pizza place is your dessert, <laughs> you got a problem. All right, if you're tempted by gambling, why are you at the casino? And if you're tempted by pornography, why are you surfing the net? at 3 a.m. 
Did you magically appear at these locations? I don't think so. You brought yourself there. Here's a great saying for you. If you keep going to the barbershop, eventually you're going to get a haircut. Going to happen. All right? I found almost 200 quotes when I Googled the word temptation uh, over this past week. Can I get the next slide, please? This one's from Mark Twain. Pretty cool dude. Here's what he says about temptation. There is a charm about the forbidden that makes it unspeakably desirable. How true that is. Next slide. Mae West, funny lady. I think she lived a little bit on the wild side, though. Here's two, two uh, quotes from Mae West. I generally avoid temptation unless I can't resist it. And between two evils, I always pick the one I never tried before. That's Mae West for you. Next slide. Oscar Wilde tells us this. I, can't res- I can resist anything except temptation. That's pretty profound. My point here is that we're all tempted. It is not abnormal to have temptation in your life. So now, as I'm up here talking to you, you say, great, Mark. Now you've, thank you. What, you, what, I'm, what I'm saying is you've exposed our sinful nature. You've told us that we're all tempted, right? We're just awful people. We feel so much better now knowing that we're all tempted and we have all of these, these demons in our life. You want to come over to my house now and kick my dog? No, I'm not going to do that. However, however, if you're a cat owner, <laughs> cat owners, anybody wince in their seats? Don't be, any cat owners? Look, nobody's even admitting it to it right now. I, I'm not serious. But I really, I don't like cats. But I wouldn't come over and kick your cat, I promise you on that. In order to be victorious over temptation, we have to put our focus on Jesus. That's what this is all about. We cannot expose ourselves to temptation and then wonder why we have all these problems. You keep putting in front of you, it's going to cause you a problem. We need to stay away from that. And there's a story about a girl, and she becomes pregnant. And she's telling her friend, she's not married. She's telling her friend about the relationship she has with this boy. And she says, you know, I became pregnant. I don't understand what happened. Okay. Um, I don't understand what happened. We had a great relationship. He's religious. I'm religious. We go to church. And in fact, we prayed before every date that we had. And so the friend says to her, well, that's great. I'm glad you have this relationship, and I'm glad you prayed before every one of your dates, but what did you do after you prayed? (laughs) I think we know what happened there. They started off with their eyes on God in prayer, but then they took their eyes off of God, started looking at each other, and, well, things happened. That's when the trouble started. And the only way to overcome temptation is to look to Jesus. There is no other way. Get your eyes off of temptation and put them on the Lord. And the reason we want to look at Jesus in temptation It's because he's wise enough to show us the way out. God's been there. He knows what it's like to be tempted. The Bible tells us that. We went through the whole thing. He was tempted with the devil. And in Hebrews, if I can have the next slide, please. Hebrews 2.18, promise from the Bible. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, Jesus, he is able to aid those who are tempted. And that's us. The Bible tells us right there. He is there for us. He's here to help us. He's here to aid us. Next slide, please. And this is some good news, too. Also, the Bible promises this, that we will not be tempted beyond our abilities to handle it. So the Bible tells us in Corinthians 1, 10 through 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That's biblical. That's not someone telling you, hey, God's going to be there for you. That's the Bible. The Bible is the truth. we got two things right there saying he suffered and he's going to aid us. He knows what it's like. He's been there. And now the Bible is telling you that you will not be given anything harder than you can take. And as tough as you think you may have it, 
as bad as it may have been in life and as tempted as you think you are at times, you have never, truth to the gospel, you have never been tempted beyond the ability to handle it. God is not going to let that happen. Not one time in your whole life. And if you're having trouble focusing on Jesus in the midst of all this temptation, easy to say as I'm standing up here, but you haven't learned to live the Christian life. You have to look to Jesus. And the Christian life is recognizing the constant presence of Jesus and never taking your eyes off of him. It's a very simple principle. And that's why Paul tells us to pray without ceasing because he wants you to keep your focus where it belongs, on God. And then Paul also tells us to set your affections on things above and not on the earth. That's great scripture right there. Set your affection on things above and not on the earth. Paul wants your mind to be with God every day. He wants you to be in communion with God every day. But of course, we can all say, I can't seem to keep Jesus in my thoughts. I can't think about all the time. How do I keep Jesus constantly on my mind? Constantly is a big thing. We're, we're fallible, right? But not constantly are we tempted. It's when we're tempted that we need to turn to God. And how do we fight those things in those times? We pray and we read the Bible. And that's how that happens. If scripture and love and compassion and grace and thankfulness and mercy don't occupy your thoughts, they're not in your mind, then what is? Alcohol, drugs, food, sex, gambling, gossip, power, all those things are in our mind. And why are those thoughts in our minds? It's real simple. Right back to what I said before we lead ourselves there. We put that garbage in our minds. Think about this. What movies and television shows do we watch? What books do we read? What activities do we have on a daily basis? Are they good or are they bad? We need to think about those things. What do we spend most of our time doing? And what are our, some of our favorite songs that we listen to? Guilty as charged. But I'll tell you what, you want some eye-opening things? Google some of the lyrics for some of the songs your kids are listening to. They're hard to understand sometimes because of all the crappy music that's going on behind it, right? But some of those lyrics are horrible. And there's reasons they have uncensored versions and censored versions. Those are the things that we put into our mind. And if they're not good and truthful and wholesome and loving thoughts, then how can we expect our minds to be filled with anything but those things? And that's why we need to concentrate and keep our eyes on God. Guys, real simple. Your favorite television shows that you watch. You got half-naked ladies running around. Stuff that was, was taboo 20 years ago is just eh, it's normal now. Watch these TV shows with half-naked ladies running around, the internet, the movies that we watch. How are we supposed to focus on anything else when those are the things that we're putting into our mind and those are the things that we're looking at? Guys, you know how we're wired, right? If we keep putting that stuff in front of us, that's going to constantly be in our thoughts. And ladies, not that you're any different on, on the flesh side of things, but in my experience, if we are involved in a neighborhood gossip, if we're talking about this family having this bad thing and this relationship is bad and their house is so beautiful and they've got a nice car and all this other stuff, how do we have room for God's word at that point? There can't be. And that's what we need to stay away from. We need to start the day off with God. Scripture, prayer, your journal. Alex is big on journaling things. And I've tried. Very difficult for me. My son just got a little book that he got at our golf outing that we had last weekend. And he started journaling in his book. And he wants to show me every time he writes something down. And I'm like, David, that's cool. But that's for you. That's you and God talking. And he draws little pictures and stuff in there. But he's keeping his mind on God. And that's one great way to do that. You need to, to, to be thinking about God the moment your feet hit the floor. Put the thoughts of God into your, into your mind every day right away. And then you go out and take on Satan. And it's going to make all the difference in the world. And I can compare that to a soldier. A soldier standing watch at his fort. And he's looking for the enemy. He notices the enemy coming towards him. 
So does this soldier jump over the wall and take the enemy on on his own? No, he's an idiot if he does that. What's he going to do? He's going to go back and he's going to get in touch with the CO. He's going to tell the CO what the problem is. And then we're going to bring in the, the big guns. And that's when the fight's going to begin. And it's the same thing you should look at when you're a Christian. When you feel Satan coming on and that temptation coming on, you've got to be able to say, hey, God, here he comes again. Satan's at me again. I can't beat Satan on my own, but with you, I can. Fighting Satan alone is like entering the Miss America pageant without makeup. You don't stand a chance. Right? Don't attempt to fight temptation on your own. It's a bad strategy, and it's a recipe for disaster. We need to watch for the approach of the enemy. You know when it's coming. We all know what our temptations are. We're not going to list them up, but we know. And we know what it, when that feeling comes on. You know when you've got that urge to go and do. And when that happens, that's when we need to reach out for God. We all recognize that. And instead of just saying, oh, I'm going to try to fight it or I'm not going to do that, stop, call for God, pray. Think about it. Who can defeat God? Marcus, you answered it right in the first service. Can we do it again? Who can, who can defeat God? Nobody. Nobody can defeat God. So why wouldn't you enlist him on your team when you're fighting that temptation? Does anybody have any doubt that Jesus can lead you above and beyond and past temptation? If you're a Christian, that should be no way. You know that God can defeat Satan, and with his help you know that can happen. And did you know that Jesus and Satan cannot occupy your heart at the same time? It's physically impossible. If your hearts and mind are filled with good thoughts, with scripture, with mercy and grace and thankfulness, there's no room for Satan. And that's where you want to be. Being a Christian boils down to one thing. Simply put, it's keeping your eyes on God. And again, we can say, how can anybody do that all the time? As I said before, we're fallible. You can't all the time. It's moments at a time. But if you stay in prayer, you're well more prepared to take on the temptation when it comes at you. If Christine were to come to me and say right now, Mark, do you love me? What would my answer be? With all my heart, right? But almost 21 years ago, the priest asked me when we were standing at the altar, do you promise to love this woman to the day that you die? I don't know. How long am I going to live? <laughs> right? I mean, but seriously, at that point, I mean, we knew each other. I hadn't lived with her, so that's a, that's a pretty big commitment at that time, right? Love her forever? I mean, I, I loved her right then and there, but forever? I mean, I don't know. Does she roll the toothpaste, toothpaste up from the bottom, or does she squeeze it from the middle? <laughs> does she like Coke or Pepsi? Does she like her bacon crispy or soft? Or, oh my goodness, what if you don't like bacon at all? <laughs> oh my gosh. Can I really say I'll love her forever? I love her right now. And after 21 years, that right now thing is still going strong, and I love it. My wife doesn't want me to love her in the future. She doesn't want to remember that I loved her in the past. She wants to be loved right now, and so does God. And if you're thinking to yourself, gosh, remember when I loved God last month? That was a great month, <laughs> right? Would that work for you, Christine? I loved you a couple months ago, but right now we're on a break, right? No, but, and then you start thinking, you know what, summer's so busy, I don't have time for God right now. So when summer's over, and I've got more time, and the kids are back in school, yay, first day of school, um, then we're going to love God, and we'll have time for him. That thought process, not, that thought process isn't going to cut it. We need to practice the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives every day, knowing and trusting 
that he's always with us. Jesus was not tempted so that we'd look at him and say, oh my goodness, Jesus, you are such a hero, you're so awesome. He wasn't there for the accolades. He was tempted so that we could feel ourselves becoming more powerful through him. He wasn't tempted so that we could think about everything that he went through. That's not wasn't the purpose of it. He was tempted so we would rethink everything that we've been through, and now we can look at it through God's presence. And here's a huge question that came to me as I was preparing for this. What if Jesus had given in? What if he fell to that temptation? What would have happened to all of us? I don't even want to think about that. Let's be forever thankful and grateful that he didn't give in. And he wasn't tempted to the point where he couldn't take it. The temptations he felt were real. He could feel them just as we feel them. He could sense it just as we sense our temptations coming on. And he chose to stay close to the Father in prayer, constant communion, so he could continue to be God with us. And we could be with him. God wants us to love him. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, right now. Set your minds on him today and every day. Keep your eyes on God, and then you can say with all the confidence in the world, be gone, Satan, and it'll happen. Be on the constant lookout for Satan and all of his temptations. And when you start to feel the temptations coming on, call to God. Scream out his name if you have to. Go to him and pray. Ask for his help. If God is with me, who can be against me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the power that, uh, that Satan has over us at times can seem to be overwhelming. But we know, Lord, through Scripture, and as we read, and as I spoke this morning, Father, you are there for us. You are powerful enough, Father, to defeat him. We know that to be the case. And it's my prayer this morning, Father, that the Holy Spirit work in each and every one of us, that we have that Holy Spirit working in us, that we can defeat the power of Satan, and that we call out your name, Father, and we know that you'll be there for us. And we pray all of this in your most holy name, Lord. Amen. Worship band's going to sing one more song for you. As I said at the beginning of this talk here, if you guys have something to pray about, bad things, we bring God into that picture as well. But please keep in mind that there's wonderful things to give God thanks for if we have those as well. Jacqueline will be over there. I'll be over here. If you guys have something to pray about, please come and see us at the bottom. Let's go ahead and stand.